It's your boy! And welcome to episode four, I think, of the podcast. This is M. And uh, if your boy sounds out of breath, it's because he is. I literally just went for a run and uh, whew, walked right in and sat down and said, we're doing the podcast. Um, I was in the middle of my run and decided um, I'm just going to go straight in there and, and start talking. Um, whew, man, so I'm sweating. I literally taste the salt like from my sweat and I'm just like mopping down with a handkerchief. And uh, so uh, <clears throat> I got to uh, drink some water as well. But um I, you know, sometimes when I go for a run, I come back inside and I, I'll immediately get online and play a game of chess. And, um, of course I have no data to back this up, but I'm sort of convinced that running, um, is the single greatest form of exercise for th- your thinking capacity. And I'm not saying it's necessarily, the, I mean, it's hard on your knees and, uh, you know, I'm sure you get something out of, um, lifting weights and, 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 um, what's that shit that everyone's doing now? Um, CrossFit and all that sort of stuff, but uh, I bet for your just your just general health, intelligence, health, or your brain health or whatever, I bet running's the best thing for it. And um, and obviously, I have no data to back that up. But there is a part of me that feels like when I go for a run, if I just walk in the door and play a game of chess, I'm going to play better. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if even my own experience has shown that to be true, but uh, that's what I believe. And I thought, you know what, I'm feeling good today, uh, and I'm just gonna go in there and start talking and uh you know whatever comes out comes out Ooh, the podcast is finally in itunes uh, or apple podcasts or uh, whatever you want to call it but uh if you've been listening on spotify if you've been listening on youtube you know listen wherever you want but uh for people who like to subscribe in itunes the podcast is available there now and um you know i don't give a lot of thought to what i'm supposed to say or plug or or how i'm supposed to promote this thing but since we're on the topic, you know, if you have liked what you've heard so far and you know, you know, I, I guess I've been saying, you know, if you want to tell as if, you know, if you want to post it on social media, fine. But what would really be cool is if you thought of one person who you really thought would like it and shared it with them. Um, and uh, so far, you know, I think over all the networks, uh, you know, each episode has well over 100 listens. Um, which is just fine for me for right now. And, uh, we'll just keep growing and see what it becomes. Dude, as I'm out of breath, I'm thinking when I was like the first time I ever got chastised or in trouble at school was like, I was in Montessori, which is, uh, my girlfriend actually calls it Montessori <laughs> or she used to call it that. I don't know if she still does. I think I had to correct her. I don't remember. But, uh, every, anytime the word pops up, which I guess is more frequent than you, than one would think now that I, I think about it. But, um, we always sort of laugh and say Montessori, but I did go to Montessori preschool. And, um, I remember, um, the teacher had like sent me to the office for something and I just had to like deliver, I don't know, like a roll or something like that. Um, the attendance sheet or something like that. And I, I, I walked back, it was this huge long hallway from the office to, uh, back to the, to the preschool room. And, uh, I remember I had, I had actually walked back, but when I walked in, I pretended like I was out of breath and I don't know what, like I thought it was going to be cool or something like that. Like I, like I think I had probably like been watching like Indiana Jones or some action movies or something. And the hero would always be like out of breath. Like we got to act now. There's no time for backup or every time like something cool happened or, you know, they'd always end out of breath or something like that. But anyway, something had impressed on my brain that like being out of breath was cool. And even though I had walked back, I came into the room and the teacher was like, Oh, did you make it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, and I just like, I don't know what I said. I was like, yeah, yeah, everything's fine. I went down there and I literally was just pretending like I was out of breath. And the teacher who thought she was so smart, she goes, you know what? I can tell you ran here and you want to know why? Cause you're out of breath. And she was like, and I want you, here's what I, I want you to walk all the way back down to the office and I want you to walk back. And so she punished me and I literally had to do that. I walked all the way back to the office and walked back, which is exactly what I had actually done as a form of punishment. But it's like, I, I was too, like, I guess I could have solved the situation by just stop breathing hard in that moment and saying, oh, you know what? Actually, I was just kidding. I think she would have been thoroughly confused, but, um, I was just like, yeah. So like, even though I was pretending to run, I got punished for running. And I accepted it, by the way. I don't know what's crazier. The fact that I pretended to run or I just dutifully accepted a punishment for something I didn't do. But, um, <laughs> anyway, 
I'm sure everyone has, a, I don't know, a quiver of stories like that, which is just uh, dumb stuff from your childhood that uh, doesn't, I don't know, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but it sticks in your mind nonetheless. I w- yeah, and I wonder why that stuck in my mind. I think Because I think it literally was the first time I had ever been punished, um, even growing up. Uh, I, I was like never punished. And to be fair, I mean, me and my brother especially were like, we were good kids. We were pretty well behaved. Um, you know, maybe we acted up a little bit in our teens and stuff, but, um, and frankly, even then we weren't really punished. But, um, I, I remember one time, like we had this piano and I remember I knocked over the piano bench one time and I was grounded for it. That's the only punishment I've ever, and I don't think they actually felt like followed through with it. I just have this acute memory of like being in the car and just feeling so sad that I was grounded. And being so confused. I, even when I look back, I think that's strange. Like, why would you ground someone for accidentally knocking over a piano bench? But um, it sounds so Little Lord Fauntleroy or Richie Rich. It's like, well, I knocked over the piano bench in the parlor and I was grounded. I was, uh, I was banished to the west wing of the, of the manor. I was only allowed one servant to attend on me. It was brutal, I, t- I tell you. It was brutal. Ah, oh, man. Um, yeah, what's going on in my world? You know what's funny? I mean, I literally have already recorded. I think, like, you know, we have an ep- another episode coming out on Monday. I already have the next week's episode recorded, and here I am already recording. Um, I think about this a lot. I want to do it all the time. And I, 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 I find... I don't know. what I, w- I would love to do this twice a week, probably, right now. I'm just feeling very motivated in that direction to release uh, two episodes a week. But uh, I feel kind of embarrassed because I feel like not enough people are listening to really warrant that. And uh, But then I think, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think I talked about this in another episode. But, um, you know, I still plan on doing music. I still have a bunch of music to release. I'm, I'm you know, there's nothing going to change about that release schedule. But if I'm being perfectly honest about where I'm at in my life right now, I'm the most excited about this. And even though, um, you know, not tons of people are listening... I, I really enjoy it. It's uh, the one thing I'm, I'm creatively, I'm the most motivated around. And um, yeah, I'm not sure what that means exactly. It's just something that I that I feel. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, what I'm really thinking about right now for some reason is uh, I had a uh, chemistry test today. And uh, I think your boy got an A. And if I did, I think I might... Uh, I don't know. As I was going for a run, for some reason, I was thinking about like, dude, if you get an A on that, you should share it. Like you should literally just take a photo of your score and post it on social media, which because it's kind of stupid. Um, but I also thought like, you know, I'm back in school and like when you're a kid, your parents, like if you got a good grade, your parents would like put your stuff up on the fridge. Not that mine ever did, but um, that's sort of like the idea. And I thought, yeah, like maybe I should just put it on my own goddamn fridge, but I thought, oh, I could like post it to social media and that'd be my fridge, but maybe that's stupid. Um, dude, it's funny how some things sound fucking awesome in your head and then you actually say it out loud or like 30 seconds later and you think, God, glad I didn't do that. Dude, that's kind of the problem with social media though in general, right? Like, you know, when you have such easy means to like share things instantaneously and then it's forever, um, you don't really have time to stop and think about what you're doing. Whew, man. But sometimes those decisions, those split de- second decisions can like change a lot, you know, like I, I'm not even sure like when the, when there was a germinal idea of me like doing a podcast, but I literally when I decided to do it, I just started doing it. Actually, that's actually kind of been true for most of my life. Anytime I've decided to start doing something, you know, the idea sort of gestates for a while, but there's, I'm sort of, once I start, I'm all in that goes with everything that goes with like going to therapy you know, and when I was, when I was ready to go, I was ready to go and I was off and running. Or like when I quit smoking, I was finished. When I quit drinking, it took two tries, but for the most part I was done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other things like that. Yeah. Even doing music. I mean, I literally ha- I mean, I remember like back in the day when I, you know, I was writing and performing and when I was living in Tucson, Arizona. And then when I moved out to the Bay area, like two or three years went by and I didn't do anything. And I literally just announced publicly, I was like, all right, I'm writing and recording and releasing an EP in six months. And I just started doing it. And I went from like zero to 60 creatively. And uh, yeah, that's kind of just been the story of my life. I don't know if other people are that way. Maybe they're sort of touch and go. But for me, I sort of like, 
I don't know. It's almost like a, um, like a rubber band snapping, like I sort of pull, pull, pull and there's tension and I'm sort of tortured and I'm like, Oh, why am I not doing this? Oh, I should be doing this. And, uh, so there's definitely a period of like, you know, crucifying myself for not doing something that I want to be doing or think I should be doing. But when I actually do it, it's just like, okay, like I'm just sort of off, you know? Yeah. And that's sort of the thing with the podcast. Yeah. It's strange. This thing didn't exist like three or four weeks ago. Um, and, uh, and now it does, but to be fair, I mean, I was recording myself talking for like an hour so. Um, yeah, so maybe I need to do some revisionist history with, uh, whether or not it's true. I just sort of start and do things, but, um, yeah. Huh. Yeah. As I'm sitting here thinking about what to say, I'm wondering if, uh, walking in from running and just starting to talk is a good idea. And you know what? I'm going to yawn and you know what? You're going to deal with it. Dude, when I put out, deal with it. When I uh, put out the first episode, I got a lot of comments from people. I was like, damn, dude, you yawned so many times. Well, what can I say? Oh, that's, that shit's contagious, by the way, too. Like, I hope all of you yawned. I hope every time I yawn, you're listening and you yawn. Uh, yeah. Because now I'm crashing. Dude, I was so hyped when I walked in the door and now I'm crashing. Dude, another yawn. Dude, brace yourself for it. Do it with me now. Uh, but yeah, and you know your boy's going to work tonight. And he worked last night. Dude, my days are so long now. Yesterday I woke up, I was I woke up at 7, I was in class. <clears throat> First thing in the morning, I was there all morning. Came home. Dude, yesterday I ran 6 miles. Dude, is your boy a half marathon runner? Dude, almost. I ran, dude, last weekend this week, I ran the equivalent of a half marathon, not in one go, but in, in total. I think last weekend this week, I ran 13.2 miles, which is actually just a little bit more for those of you who are paying attention than a half marathon. But, um, but uh, yeah, dude, feeling fit. I'm losing weight too. Not like a lot. And to be honest, even though <laughs> I can sort of beat myself up I, and I think I need to lose a bunch of weight, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm probably fine. But, uh, but, uh, dude, deal with it again, dude, or learn to deal with it, dude. Maybe you can't deal with it right now, and that's your problem. You know, maybe the yawns bother you. Well, that's something you need to look in the mirror about, you know, because I'm not going to own that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to own or make, you know, I'm going to let your feelings about me yawning make me feel bad about me yawning. It's a natural thing. People do it. It's like pooping. You want to make me feel bad for pooping too? Can't do it. Well, actually, you probably could. I am kind of sensitive about that. Just ask my girlfriend. Dude, we've been together. Dude, <laughs> what am I? Dude, why did I start a podcast and why do I say the things that I say? Um, fuck it, I'm going to say it. Yeah, I've been with my girlfriend for like three years and like I still go out of my way to be away from her when I poop. It's insane. I've never even like openly farted in front of her. Isn't it normally like, you know, whatever you want to say about gendered roles, whatever. But most of us... Dude, come on. Isn't it obvious that usually that's like the female gendered role in the relationship who's like scared of pooping in front of her boyfriend and doesn't want to fart around him? And I know the minute I say that, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of girls are going to raise their hand and say, hey, I don't care. Dude, awesome. But typically dudes fart and poop and girls don't, right? Like most guys I know who have girlfriends say like, yeah, dude, I've never heard my girlfriend fart. Maybe that's not true. Maybe I'm being hyperbolic. But anyway, what I'm really trying to do is talk about myself, which is I'm insecure about that. I'm so insecure about that. And you want to make me feel worse about it? Well, go screw yourself, because I'm a human person who deserves respect. Dude, I will say, though, and I'm just being silly, but I will say, um, oh, and, and by the way, don't apologize when you're making jokes. Actually, I literally just saw this video of John Mayer, um on youtube he was doing some interview and he was saying like when you're on stage you never apologize never apologize oh and ironically he was actually talking about times where like when you're sick and he was talking about there's been a couple times where like you know they need an extended drum solar because he has to run off stage and poop actually chris D'Elia told this story recently about having to poop on stage um and dude i've talked about actually dude pooping on stage I've, I mean, I've never done it before um but i've always said like on a, dude, if you spend so, a lot of time on stage, eventually, it's just the law of the universe, you will have to poop while you're on stage. If you're a professional performer, it's just going to happen. Um, 
And uh, yeah, what do you do in those situations? Like, I'm always freaked out when I see videos of like rock stars, like who have to like vomit on stage because they're kind of hungover. But dude, if you're playing, because I think a lot of us look at that and think, oh, dude, how could you be sick in front of 5,000 people or whatever it is? Or how could you run off stage, even if it's like 1,500 or a few hundred? How could you run off stage and throw up? It's like, dude, if you do this every night, you don't care after a while. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's your base state. And you just think like, oh, okay. Like, everyone has a story of when they had a bathroom emergency and maybe they, like, you know, got sick in public or uh, didn't quite make it to the bathroom on time or threw up on the sidewalk or whatever, you know? And it's like, you don't care because it probably happened in front of people you you assume you'll never see again and were strangers. And you're embarrassed and you're mortified. But how many, now that it's in the past, how many feelings do you have about it? Well, dude, I think if you're a rock star, you feel the same way about shows. It's like, yeah, you played in front of uh, thousands of people in you know, at the whatever big venue. But if this is what you do, if that's your life, you're like, eh, it's just a drop in the bucket. Who cares? It can't possibly matter. Um, yeah, where was I planning on going with that? Pooping on stage. Um, oh, dude, I did have one incident recently. Dude, this is so silly. Oh my God, why are we even talking about this? Um... I did have this gig. Um, so for like a year of my life, a couple of years ago, when I was still single, I was doing Irish dancing at this bar in Berkeley called the Starry Plow. And uh, I love the Starry Plow. If you're ever in Berkeley and you just want a cool place to hang out or like see a show or just get a beer, go to the Starry Plow in Berkeley. Um, just a super great place. It's, you know, the owners are great. The staff is great. And it's just an important, I, I think it's like an important institution in berkeley and sorry dude deal with it we're just gonna keep yawning and you know why you can handle it because you're an adult and if you're not you need to start acting like one and um and like on monday nights they have irish dancing which i did for like a year i literally just like stumbled in there one day and i just saw people doing it and i was like dude this is for me and the day i started doing it i did it literally every monday for a year and uh loved it um, they also have like a poetry slam on Wednesdays. Um, oh, they have a gr- phenomenal open mic on Tuesday nights and they have, uh, this great funk jam on Thursday nights and then they have like music Saturday, Sunday nights and then they, or yeah, Friday, Saturday nights and then they have like Irish music on Sunday. But anyway, it's just a great establishment and, um, and if you're ever in the area, you should throw money at them. Um, but, uh, there's a woman there. Her name is Susan. She's a heart player. Very, very sweet lady. And she is associated with, um, Dude, another yawn coming at you, dude. Deal with it. Um, you guys are going to be so resilient by the end of the podcast. Um, who is she associated with? I was going to say like the humanist, but what's the church? Unitarian Universalist or something like that. She's associated with some Unitarian Universalist church. And um, she just emailed me like in, within the last year. <laughs> she would be worried out if she heard this story probably. But um, she was like, hey, do you want to come by and play our service this Sunday? And I was like, sure. Oh, she was like, oh, you want to play your song, Be Free? And I was like, uh, sure. And um, it was kind of out of the blue. And I, why did I want to do it? I think maybe this was before like I did the tour with Matt Nathanson. Oh, and by the way, your boy's going to be back in the saddle with Matt Nathanson on Sunday, October 13th at, I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Wenta Wenti Vineyards in Livermore, California playing for this event they're having at the vineyard and uh, got an email from um his people asking me if i'd be interested in doing the show so i'm playing with matt nathanson again yay i'm playing with matt nathanson yay yay for me dude so many yays for me today matt nathanson dude probably got an a on my chem test because your boy studies and your boy's smart but you know that about your boy that's why you're proud of you're proud of your boy aren't you and um <clears throat> What was I talking about? Um, oh, so this girl Susan is like, oh, play our uh, play our service, and I was like, sure. And I go there first thing in the morning, and uh, it's so funny to me. Like, um, and I probably mentioned this freaking Matt Nathanson tour like in every episode, so it sounds like I'm obsessed with it, and I probably am. But um, hey, it was a big accomplishment for me, and uh, so let your boy be proud. And um, but I was saying you can play for a thousand people. And literally, I think like a couple weeks after I was back, I played this random open mic showcase at this bar called Fireside Lounge in La Alameda, California. I literally had just showed up for their open mic for like no reason. 
and the dude was like, oh, come back and play the showcase. Dude, I remember standing before I was playing for like 15 people at Fireside Lounge, and I was exactly as nervous as which means i was a little bit nervous i was exactly as nervous to play for those 15 people as i was for a thousand people at like the observatory in santa Ana, and um uh i just thought that was funny and so literally you know this girl susan invites me to play for the human or not i keep saying the humanist um the universalist unitarian unitarian universalist church whatever for their sunday service and literally all i had to do was walk up on stage play be free and like about 10 minutes before the service starts, I'm like, oh, I think I might have to go to the bathroom. And, um, and it wasn't bad, but it was just like, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I think I could use the bathroom. Like if I wanted to, I could probably go to the bathroom right now and maybe I'd be more comfortable. But also dude, if you're like me, you don't like going to the bathroom in public, especially if it's number two. And, uh, and, uh, I was just feeling like, you know, if I really don't have to, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to try not to. And, um, but it was very uncomfortable. And there was a moment like right as I was standing on stage where I was kind of regretting not making that decision. And not that I really felt like it was an emergency, but there was a party that was like, oh, is this the day that I poop my pants on stage? And does it happen at a church? And does it happen at the universe, Unitarian Universalist church? Um, and thankfully it didn't. And I think like a lot of these situations, like it's really just your nerves sort of exacerbating the situation. And, and if you actually stay calm or whatever, like you actually find like in five minutes, you're perfectly fine. Maybe it's kind of like fighting a craving for a cigarette. You know what I'm saying? It just feels worse because you're acutely aware of it. But if you actually just get distracted by something like just playing music on stage in front of people, it actually disappears. You know, barring the fact that you're sick or like, hey, dude, sometimes nature calls. You know what I mean? Um... I mean, we all know that feeling when you're like, oh, I have to go to the bathroom right now. <laughs> right now. Um, yeah, so thankfully that's never happened to me. But uh, I, dude, I bet everyone has a story. I bet most perfect... Dude, that, isn't that funny to think like, dude, I bet Ariana Grande has pooped her pants on stage. Dude, I bet Kanye West has pooped his pants on stage. I I would venture to say that nearly all professional performers uh, who have been doing it for like over a decade on a regular basis have pooped their... Dude, Patton Oswalt, is it Patton Oswalt? I think has a phenomenal story of like pooping his pants on stage. Um, also the actor, and now he got sort of outed in the whole Me Too thing, but the dude from Trans, Transparent, I think that actor, he had a story about like shitting his pants on stage, which was hilarious. Anyway, I didn't think we were going to get so scatological on this episode. Um, and I, dude, honestly, I don't even know how we got into that, <sighs> but yeah, anyway, disaster averted, catastrophe averted. Um, but you know what? Those stories are my favorite stories. Like those, those things that we avoid and we don't want to like, you know, our sort of nightmare situations, if they ever do happen, sometimes those can be, those can be the best stories ever. Like, I remember there was a, a friend of mine from years ago when I was living in Tucson. She told me the story of, like, what, it's like one of the, it's probably the only story of hers I remember, but she was like, oh, I was on a plane one time and I just woke up and just instantly, just like for no reason, just instantly threw up into my hands all over myself. I love that story. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel so bad for her. I mean, I just imagine how, you know, those, I, I just have a lot of sympathy for those moments where as it's happening, it's your worst nightmare. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, this is my worst nightmare. Like, as you're throwing up into your hands on an airplane, it's like you would give anything in the world to not be experiencing this very moment right now. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if I said, oh, we can actually go back in time and reverse this if you just give me your left eyeball, dude, I think most people would do it. Um, and dude, believe it or not, your boy has to go to the bathroom, and we'll chalk it up to running, but this is the first time I'm taking a break in the podcast. So, uh, but like I said, you guys are adults and you'll deal with it. So I'll be RB. Yay. Your boy went to the bathroom. Yay. Of course, as I was, uh, using the facilities, I was thinking, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? And are people really going to hear this? Um, but then I had this thought. So, you know, what's funny is I literally, I did this, the last episode we did was the lava claim and 
I've gone back and listened to it and I actually really liked the episode. And uh, one, I really like Brad's story and I hope I did it justice. But I remember as I was recording it, I was thinking, this is not going well. And if you have heard that episode and you happen to agree, this is going to sound like nonsense. But what my very personal experience was is in the living, in the moment, I was like, oh, this is not going well. And then I listened back and said, hey, you know what? It's just fine. You know, was it the best episode I've ever done? I don't think so. But I was like, hey, not, not too shabby at the very least serviceable and actually probably quite a bit better than that. But uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear, like as I sort of took a break and was like, dude, do you really want people to hear? Why, why are you talking about poop? And do you really want people to hear it? Um, I, then I had this thought. Well, one, I'm hoping I go back and listen to it and it sounds just fine. But then I had this thought, dude, would you respect me? And I'm talking to you right now. I'm not talking about some hypothetical person. Would you respect me? If you knew that this episode was recorded and existed and I didn't release it, dude, that's an interesting question to think about. And I don't know what the equivalent would be in your own life, but I was thinking, oh, dude, I would respect someone less knowing that they recorded this episode and didn't release it than if they just put it out there. I'd rather have, (laughs) one, this is sort of crazy to even think that people might have feelings about it at all. But if they did, I'd rather have people deal with the feelings. Dude, and I'm about to yawn again, dude. Oh, I'm trying to lean into this one, but um, I actually ended up cutting the yawn short. Um, but you better believe I'm leaning into the next one. But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd exponentially prefer someone dealing with their feelings about hearing me talk about this than if they knew that I had recorded it and not released it and had chickened out. And like I said, dude, these are my favorite stories. And dude, if you don't feel that way, like if you're hearing this and you're going, ew, and you don't want to listen anymore, I don't think this is for you. Because, dude, maybe this sounds crazy, and I think I was talking about this in terms of creativity in general, but, like, sometimes I vacillate between this idea, like, oh, you have to consider your audience. And sometimes I believe that a thousand, like, a thousand percent. I think, oh, that's the most important. Like, you constantly have to be considering your audience and thinking about what they want and kind of catering to them. Like, that's that's the business. And, uh, but then sometimes, dude, huh, there's a part of me that's like, um... Dude, maybe it's just where I'm at in my life right now, but I just want to do what I want. And I don't know. That's just where I'm at. And uh, look, man, if you, don't, if you don't want to hear this stuff, fine. You know, there's a part of me that's just feeling like, oh, if, I, if, it, if I'm talking about it, I'm talking about it for a reason. Like, literally, I was in therapy yesterday. And by the way, your boy is going down to once a week. Yay! <laughs> your boy's going down to therapy once a week. Yay! Maybe he's not as damaged as he once thought he was. Yay! Maybe it's working. Yay! <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I was going to therapy twice a week for like three years. Dude, is that crazy? Dude, you'd think, I'd, I'd, you'd, think you'd have to be ritualistically abused to qualify for therapy twice a week. Maybe I said twice a year a second ago. But, dude, you'd think that someone would have had to have been ritualistically abused in a sadistic cult to qualify for th- uh, therapy twice a week. Um, and uh, nothing even remotely orbiting that has ever happened to me in my life. And yet I was going to therapy twice a week for three years. And I'm finally at a point where I'm like, you know what? I think once a week is just fine. I'm not at the point where I'm like, you know what? I can take a break from this altogether. But um, yeah, uh, I do feel like once a week is going to be fine. So your boy is doing that pretty soon. Um but uh, what was that about? Oh, oh, dude, it all matters. Dude, it all means something. Like a lot of, and this is like Freud's big idea about dreams. And uh, I don't pretend to be an expert on this stuff, but it's like most people laugh at Freud and they think he's a joke. And I get it. I think part of that is people just like to poke holes at icons, you know, and and it's probably, dude, there's something, there's something about the fact that Freud is like this white dude. You know, I think people like want to, I think people want to topple a lot of, uh, what's the word? I'm thinking like icons, but there's another word I can't think of right now. But, you know, people want to topple these sort of old images of, of insight and intelligence and power and all that stuff. And don't get me wrong, like Freud had no methodology. Absolutely none. Like there, he's, he was more of an, I mean, it, maybe this sounds crazy, but dude, I, when I read Freud, I'm like, oh, he's more of an artist than a scientist. But dude, he had profound insight. So he's both, I mean, one of the, I mean, he's, in the popular culture, he's probably, I mean, he's, I can't say he's underrated. He is like the face of 
psychology, you know, for like in the public perception. But um, I think he's also underappreciated in a lot of ways. But one of his ideas is like it all matters. You know, when you have a dream, dude, all the images mean something. And maybe you supply your own meaning ultimately. But it's coming up for a reason. And uh, yeah, I was in therapy and I was talking about this idea of like something like, so two things. There's this book, it's called The Drama of the Gifted Child. And like, I read it like 15 years ago. And uh, it's the only like, it's not, it's not like a popular self-help book, like something like by Eckhart Tolle would be. It's, it's not, it's nothing like that. It's, uh, but it is a book about psychology and, um, about like children of narcissistic parents or whatever. But I read it. And one of the case studies that always stuck with me for some reason was, uh, um, the therapist was giving this example of one of her clients who, um, you know, had always like uh, diminished her own needs and like service to other people um, and sort of neglected herself. And through therapy, she realized or began to appreciate like her own needs and desires. And once she had this insight that she was entitled to certain things and to be happy and to get what she needs and to have her needs met, she became sort of fixated on it. Like every, you know, with the, the insight that she had wants and needs, anytime she felt those things being affronted or like not um, acknowledged, she like overreacted, you know, it was almost like someone making up for lost time or something. Um, and it doesn't last forever. It's just now that you're tuned into it, it's like you, that's like the frequency you're hearing or feeling or thinking all the time. And everything feels like an assault on that new feeling or whatever. I hope I'm making sense. But, um, I was talking about this feeling recently and it's probably why I want to go down to therapy once a week. But, you know, by the way, I think people hear this stuff and this is why they hate therapy. But, um, but, uh, you know, I had some of those similar insights where I'm like, you know, I, I've always known for a long time that like my needs matter and I deserve, you know, to, to get what I want in some situations and I have needs that need to be met. It's another thing entirely to actually like, um, um, incorporate that into your actual like living experience and actually take those things seriously. Um, but I feel like lately I've, have made some progress in that area, but for some reason with that, I've been so annoyed recently. Everything annoys me. And I think it's something like that where I go, um, where I go, uh, dude, like every time someone is like making noise and it bothers me, dude, I get super annoyed. And I think part of it is when you, when you're dialed in this, it's like, Hey man, I'm entitled to be comfortable. Like if the downstairs neighbors are being loud and keeping me up, dude, I have a right to be pissed and I should say something. And I don't give a fuck what they think about me. It's their problem. They're the ones who are being inconsiderate. And I'm entitled, dude, who cares what they think about me? Who cares if I have to complain? Who cares if they think I'm a dick? I'm entitled to a good night's sleep, dude. You know? Um, and there's probably a hundred other examples. But I think what I was talking about, this idea that everything matters. And literally, like, after we had sort of talked about this in therapy, I had sort of fallen silent. And I was just sort of staring off into space. And I started thinking about Trump and this girl, I do not know her last name, so please don't crucify me, but the girl Greta who spoke at the climate change summit or whatever, and who's been the the young girl who's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. And I was just thinking about her and I I just said, I said, you know, I know, I don't know, I I, I don't really know what I'm talking, why I'm thinking about this, but I'm thinking about Trump and thinking about that girl Greta. And I think the parallel there was, you know, I was, oh, I was saying I was scared for her, you know? I was really scared for her. And it wasn't like, you know, there's been this huge backlash from like middle-aged white dudes who like think, you know, make fun of her or whatever. And I think a lot of that is just sort of rooted in one. I think some people are just deeply misogynistic in a way they don't really understand. But I also think a lot of, and if I'm being honest, I feel a little bit of it too. Like any, and it's not just her, it's anybody, anybody, anytime somebody just sort of becomes an instant like celebrity, dude, it's a challenge to my, my own wants for influence and dude, even power and power and influence and success. And, uh, dude, I think it shames a lot of people, especially if a young person, especially a young woman for most men, um, is successful. And, but I was saying, I'm really concerned for her. And, uh, maybe there's some other ideas we can talk about in a second, but, um, and I was like, yeah, why am I thinking about that? And my therapist pointed out, well, you know, it's probably not a coincidence you're thinking about this young person who's like has so much confidence and and in some ways courage to just sort of speak about what they want and to condemn people who she rightfully feels are deserving of um of uh what's the word not not punishment, but you know what I mean. They they deserve a fucking tongue lashing and they and they're the ones who are responsible um 
for this situation and, and demanding that they be held accountable. And I was like, dude, that's exactly it. That feels exactly right. Like I'm the dude who like someone, someone downstairs is being loud and I just stew and percolate and stew in my own juices and I don't say anything. And I'm like, fuck that person. And I know they're wrong. I fucking know they're wrong. And I'm, and half of what I'm thinking about is dude, what the fuck is wrong with this person? But dude, nine times out of 10, I don't say shit. And I just sort of like hold this resentment. And so, of course, as we were talking about, like, standing up for yourself and being entitled, and entitled is such a pejorative these days, and I use it as a pejorative all the time. I talk about entitled people also. But when you think about it, entitled just means exactly that. Like, it's kind of a mute, a mute, a moot point to call someone entitled, because by the definition, by it, by, by its very definition, if you're entitled, you're entitled to it. You know what I mean? I don't even know what a synonym for entitled would be. But if you're entitled to something, you're entitled to it. Um, I think what people actually mean is they're overly entitled. Um, but, but anyway, entitled is just um, a pejorative now. But uh, yeah, like I'm entitled to a good night's sleep. And uh, yeah, so I think there's something about that, you know, this young girl's confidence and courage that... One, I'm scared for her like on an emotional level because I, I, I have my own fears about it. It's hard for me to stand up. So I, you know, whatever my psychology or pathology or whatever the fuck you want to call it that keeps me from being able to stand, sort of stand up for myself in that way, I'm scared for her. Like whatever, you know, whatever imaginary uh, consequence I think there's going to be for speaking out, that's like, oh, I'm scared for her. You know what I mean? Um, but also the other part, and this is probably only tangentially related, but... Um, the other thing, like I laugh with my girlfriend all the time because <clears throat> we'll be out and I have this idea, this thing I've just started to notice, which is I'm 34 and a lot of people my age are having kids and I look around and I see so many parents with like full sleeve tattoos and they're dressed in like hipster clothing and they look like they're in bands or they look like they bartend or they look like, <clears throat> you know, they just look like they're some fucking hipster people and they have like a fucking baby. You know, they're pushing around a stroller and the dad's got like torn jeans and a fucking t-shirt and a full sleeve of tattoos and weird piercings and a hipster haircut. And I just think, whoa, how far are we from where I was as a kid? Like I was stopped at a stoplight and I saw this dude like crossing the street and he had like this like button down shirt and jeans on and like this, you know, hipster facial hair and these fucking hipster glasses and this hipster haircut and he was wearing like tennis shoes and I could just, the area you could tell he was like a low, he was uh, uh, working in the area and was on his lunch break. And I was like, oh, this is a working professional now. My dad wore a suit every day to work. <clears throat> like my dad wore a fucking suit. Like there was a clear demarcation between the adult world and being a kid. And when you're an adult, you wear the adult uniform. You know what I'm saying? Like you step into adulthood, but now it's just like, there's no barrier. And I'm not, I'm not making fun of these. Well, I kind of am making fun of these people, but it's like, I think there's this thing that happens, dude. It's why you don't get married when you're young. It's why you don't get tattoos. When you, it's why I don't have any tattoos. Cause dude, isn't it obvious that like every dude, first of all, every fucking year, if you're living right, but at least every decade, you are a completely different person. And I don't care what you think, especially at 18 or 19 or in your early 20s, whatever you think is going to be with you for the rest of your life, dude, you have no fucking idea. You can't possibly even begin to imagine literally the architecture of your thinking in the future. And it's so easy when you're young to think you have the world figured out or to think that this is gonna, who you're going to be for the rest of your life. Dude, you have no idea. <clears throat> dude, you're, I, dude, wasn't I talking about my musical influences on the first episode? Dude, if I had ever gotten a fucking Dave Matthews band tattoo, I would cut off whatever limit was on. Or if I had gotten a string cheese incident tattoo, Jesus Christ. I would have fucking branded it off. I would have burned it, burned it off myself. I would take a, bl- a Bunsen burner to wherever I had put that fucking tattoo. I'd rather have a fucking keloid scar there the size of a dinner plate than a fucking string cheese incident tattoo on my body. Or do, could you imagine a Bone Thugs and Harmony tattoo on me? Holy fuck. Um, just a fucking Grim Reaper that says, see you at the crossroads on my back. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
holy shit, dude. And I have no tattoos. But here's my thing. Yeah, there's nothing. There's literally nothing. I don't care how important it is to me today. I have no idea what the fucking future is going to hold. I don't want to look down. I, I don't want to look down on my body and fucking be reminded of my the shit I liked when I was a kid. Um... But yeah, oh, but what I'm saying is I think when you do make these sorts of commitments, like when you get the tattoo, when you fucking decide that you're going to go full-blown rockabilly, like there's this concept in poker, which is like you're pot committed. When you've, you've already invested so much, it's, it'd be a complete fucking waste for you to fold. You just play the hand out and you, because the money's already fucking lost. So you know, you're going to lose, but you're too invested. You just have to see, you have to see how the hand plays out. I think that happens in life. And I look at these adults <clears throat> and they have kids now and instead of just like putting on a fucking polo shirt and some fucking golf shorts and fucking pulling those socks up to your fucking knees like what is it about dads who have to wear like my dad does this too they pull their fucking socks up to their knees that's such a like they because dude when you get older you don't care about fashion dude you care about comfort and so you just start wearing what feels good and it's like shorter shorts for dudes for sure and then they take their socks and just fucking pull them up to their knees maybe it's something about the compression on the calves I don't fucking know but you also wear pristine fucking sneakers (laughs) like fucking dads dude have the cleanest sneakers they'll be wearing like khakis and a polo shirt that's tucked in and the cleanest fucking sneakers and uh Dude, it's fucking crazy. Dude, tell me that's not your dad. Dude, tell me I'm not going to look like that in 10 years. I'm going to be wearing a fucking lime green polo, some khaki shorts, some mid-thigh khaki shorts, a braided belt, the shirt tucked in. My fucking socks are going to be up. I'm going to look like a fucking uh, Catholic schoolgirl. My socks are literally going to be up to my knees. And I'm going to have the cleanest white sneakers you've ever fucking seen in your life. Dude, the laces are going to be brilliant. Those are going to be fucking pristine, too. And I'm finally going to tie my shoes right. Because you know how, like... Dude, I'm never going to be able to explain this. But you know how, like, when you learn to tie your shoes, it's like you can tie your shoe one of two ways. You can do the bunny ears, which is like you do a loop on the right, loop on the left, and then you just put those together. Or you can do, like, I guess most normal human beings, where you do the around the tree method, which is you create the one loop, you take the other one, wrap it around, pull it through the hole, and then create a a second loop that you sort of tighten with. Dude, I do bunny ears. Like, I was a kid, and I saw, someone taught me how to tie shoes, and I thought, dude, bunny ears is way easier. Why would you do it any other way? And dude, that's how I tie my shoes. And I see, even my, I remember my dad tying his shoes with the around the tree fucking way. Dude, I'd be curious to know how my brother ties his fucking shoes, or even my girlfriend. But I fucking do bunny ears. But you know, dude, when I put on the pristine sneakers, you know I'm going to tie them around the tree style. You fucking know I got to give up the bunny ears and start tying around the tree style. (laughs) All right, but where the fuck am I going with all this? Oh, I want, I'm scared, and I'm not saying it's reasonable, I'm just explaining how I feel. Um, um, Which is all that really matters anyway, right? Um, I don't agree with that at all, by the way. But... I'm scared for this girl, Greta, because I want her to be able to change, too. And I think what I'm, how I'm equating these two things is, like, when you've been, when you get the fucking tattoos, when you've decided you're rockabilly, when you've decided this is who you're going to be, and you've had the crazy hair your whole fucking life, and you've had all the tattoos, and you've been wearing the weird clothing, and you've been just posting on Facebook, like, fuck the government, or, or whatever the fuck you've been. Like, when, you, when, you, when you've, like, dude, I call it, like, declaring a major. When you've declared a stylistic major, and for some people it's skater, for some people it's fucking... Uh, gangster for some people it's rockabilly for some dude whatever dude like the, the zoot suit guy with the fucking chain wallet and the fucking pinstripe suit or whatever the fuck it is um and the feather in the hat or whatever the fuck but like when you decide this is your thing and it, and it's like your it's your car it's everything dude it's your house it's how you styled your fucking apartment like this is who like this is who you are, dude, you, I think people get pot committed and they fucking carry, like most people would have given that shit up at the end of their twenties, dude. By the time they were 30, they would have given it up and not out of some bullshit thing of like conformity or like, you know, well, you just got to make it in the world. So, you know, you do it for a job or you do it like, this is who I really am. But if I'm going to make it in the world, no, cause you realize it's fucking bullshit. Cause you realize that's not who you are. This is your fucking costume. Like, if you wake up and have to put on a fucking costume, that's not who you are. If you have to go to Hot Topic and buy all the accoutrements, 
like the white face paint and the black lipstick and the fucking hair dye, the manic panic fucking hair dye and the studded fucking choker and the fucking torn jeans and all that shit. If you have to buy those things, that's not who you are. That's your costume. And most people, dude, I think if they're living right, look in the mirror at some point and go, dude, how fucking, dude, this is the fucking truth right now. How fucking truth is it? Dude, how much, how much truth am I hitting you with right now? But dude, the dad, dude, part of growing up is realizing the fucking dad that you were laughing at in the fucking mid-thigh khakis and the pristine fucking sneakers and the fucking lime green polo shirt, that dude is fucking way more evolved than most of us will ever be because he knows the fucking truth dude it is all about comfort and dude it is so dude how much cooler is it to be like i don't give a fuck what to do for and for real this time because all the people who are dressed like marilyn manson or all that fucking shit they'll tell you they don't care well i'm this way because i don't care dude you care the most dude you care more than anybody what people think about you you have cultivated a fucking look. Dude, you care. The, dude, like when I was growing up in school and it was all like people making fun of people wearing Abercrombie and Fitch and, you know, you know, oh, conformists and followers. Dude, the people who were nonconformist were just as fucking conformist, if not more conformist than the people fucking doing the shit. It's that whole conforming to nonconformity thing, dude. But dude, those people, the people who say they don't care, care the fucking most, dude. And that's fucking true. And how fucking brave is it to just be the dude who, who genuinely doesn't give a fuck and go fuck you hipster i'm gonna wear this fucking lime green polo mid-thigh khakis and pristine fucking sneakers and you're gonna fucking deal with it and dude you're gonna think i'm lame and i know you're gonna think i'm lame but fuck you you're gonna look at me and think i'm a fucking sellout well you're the fucking sellout because look at you dude you're sailing off on the fucking loser sunset you're pot committed with your tattoos and your rockabilly look dude you you look stupid Dude, that's where I'm trying to get to, man. I'm trying to tell the people downstairs to shut the fuck up, and I don't care what the fuck you think about me. Your boy needs to sleep. So you deal with your feelings about it. Your boy's got to yawn. Your boy's got to poop sometimes. Deal with it. I'm out here living, man, and if that bothers you, that's your fucking problem. I sound like I'm on a reality show. All those people who are like, I'm not here to make friends. Those people are assholes. So fuck those people. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, but yeah, dude, I'm just trying to get some pr- pristine fucking sneakers, dude. That's the life I'm trying to live right now. <sighs> but yeah, dude. Anyway, I don't know how that was tied to that girl Greta as much as, yeah, I admire her confidence and her courage. It sort of pricks at my own shame for not being able to stand up for myself. But I also want her to change too. Like maybe one day she's going to look up and decide she wants to be a fucking evangelical Christian, dude, and she should be able to do that. I guess I just get scared because I feel like when you broadcast like your values and who you are and what you want for the world to the public, sometimes you just fucking stay with it because you feel like that's who you have to be. You know what I'm saying? And maybe now that I'm an adult, dude, maybe that's part of the pristine sneaker fucking movement that I'm trying to get to, which is like, all right, I'm just going to talk into a microphone about whatever the fuck I want to do and just stop caring what people think. And not be concerned more about, you know, how many people are listening or or what they think. Like, I'm saying it for a reason. You know, I don't know what that is. And it's not always going to be perfect. But, dude, I'm glad we got to where the fuck we got to with this episode. At first, I didn't know where the fuck we were going. But, dude, it's all about the fucking pristine sneakers. I'm all about that pristine sneaker life, dude. That fucking dad sneaker life. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm chasing, dude. And I want you to follow me there. Anyway, dude, we're probably about out of time here. I, I honestly don't even know when we started. But um, but uh, your boy's got to take a shao-shao before work. And, uh, dude, thanks so much for listening. It means a lot. Um, I, there, dude, some people are still sending me questions. I'm sorry I'm not getting to them. Um, but the good ones are few and far between, and they just don't, they just don't stick in my mind. Um, but uh, I'll keep looking at them. So if you want to send me a question, you know, you're smart. You can send it to me on Instagram. Um, Twitter, Facebook, whatever the hell. Um, otherwise, all my socials are at this is MXOXO. And subscribe to the podcast and Spotify, iTunes, or on YouTube. Um, and it's uh, it's on Google Play as well. It's I don't know. It's 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 going to be wherever you find podcasts pretty soon um, as we get it into all the stores, dude. And by the way, I want to give a shout out to. I actually want to give a shout out. This is fucking crazy. I want to give a shout out to iTunes or Apple or whatever the fuck because. 
I'm sure at some point we've all had to interact with customer service, dude, and we're like, dude, fuck these people. They're awful. And it's always this automated thing, and you get these sort of bot emails that are, you know, your concerns are important to us, but you realize nothing you say is going to mean anything because it's, like, not really being taken seriously. But, dude, I've been having to... I had a fucking really hard time trying to get the podcast into iTunes, and it kept getting rejected because of the artwork, and it was fucking fine. You know, it was the right dimensions. It was the right... Um, DPI dots per inch and it was the right color spectrum all that sort of shit and um, I reached out to their customer support and I was like I'm confident the image is fine and they were like oh you know what it's getting rejected because it's because the artwork is so simple our automated system is assuming that it's a placeholder image which it can't be so um, you know put some identifying marks on it and um, and it'll go through and I I could have done that I could have put the title of the podcast on there and I even experimented with it but I I was like, actually, I like the way the artwork looks. Looks, I did it that way for a reason. I like that it's simple. And so I took a risk, and I was polite about it, and I just said, hey, you know what? Um, I understand that it's getting rejected because of the automatic whatever, but, you know, and I linked to the artwork requirements on their website, but I was like, but, if, but honestly, I designed it this way on purpose. It doesn't violate any of the artwork requirements that are listed on your website. Would you consider uh, manually approving it? And then I got an email that was that was like, oh, okay, we're gonna review your case. You know, it was passed off to somebody else, and was like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna look at this. Just give us a moment. And then I got an email that was like, hey, you're right, it's been approved, dude. That is awesome. I'm not sure what the takeaway is, but dude, maybe it goes back to like asking for what you want, which is I know the answer could have been no. And if would it be the end of the world if I had to? And I would have done it super fucking small. But would it be the end of the world if I had to put the title of the podcast like in small little letters somewhere? No. But I wanted it. And I knew there was a chance if I asked politely, and I was right, by the way. I wasn't asking them to do anything that was um, exceptional. I was like, oh, this adheres to the listed fucking rules or whatever. Like, maybe they'll accommodate it if I ask nicely enough. And you know what? They fucking did, so thank you. Thank you for being human beings and for not just being like, oh, go fuck yourself or just having an automated system that, you know, why should they give a fuck? Why should they care? Why should they, dude, so many people are submitting podcasts. Why should they accommodate anybody? They should just say, just do it this way or fucking don't. Like, we don't care. And I'm fucking nobody. Like I said, like, you know, maybe, I don't know. We'll look. But, you know, let's just say 100 people are listening to every episode. Dude, that doesn't mean shit for them. So uh, it's not like I'm bringing a lot to the platform. But you know what? They did the right thing. So good on them. Good for you, Apple. Thank you. And, uh, yeah. Anywhere you can like rate and review the podcast, that might be helpful too. But otherwise, think of one person you think would like it and share it. Otherwise, thank you for listening. Fucking, I hope you guys are on this fucking pristine sneaker lifestyle that I'm on right now. And uh, thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. And uh, we'll uh, see you on the next episode. Okay? Ciao for now. <laughs>